0: And welcome to What A Scream, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Yagrain, chats with a special guest every week about um, uh, horror films, basically, and um, horror films that have to do with a certain subject or topic that I've previously randomly chosen. Um, So this week isn't so random. Um, as I said in last week's episode, March is going to be Irish month. So the whole of the month we are going to be talking about Irish horror um, or Irish related horror. Uh, So this week we are kicking off with an episode on adaptations of Irish Gothic literature. Um, So the two authors, that we are chatting about with my special guest, Elaine Pascal, who usually comes on and does the literature-themed episodes with me. Um, We are going to be chatting about Bram Stoker, who we've already done for Dracula, but we are actually chatting about his work, uh, Lair of the White Worm. And then we're going to be talking about uh, Sheridan LaFanu, who wrote possibly the first lesbian vampire love story uh, with his work Carmilla. Uh, So the two adaptations we are doing this week is the 2019 British romantic horror film Carmilla, written and directed by Emily Harris, as well as Ken Russell's 1988 The Lair of the White Worm, which is loosely based on the Bram Stoker novel of the same name. Um, So yes, I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I hope you uh, continue to listen to our Irish month. Um, Of course, my reason is it is St. Patrick's Day on March 17th, so I just decided the whole month was going to be Irish themed. Um, So yes, here's my chat with Elaine Pascal about Irish Gothic literature. Um, Enjoy! So I would like to welcome back to the podcast our literary expert, Elaine Pascal. How are you? Doing very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So this month on the podcast is all about Irish horror. Um, Have you seen many Irish horror movies?
1: Does the leprechaun count? (laughs) the top of my
0: head i maybe not no yeah it seems to be quite a niche thing that is like i hope becomes a bigger thing and because we have got such great horror movies that have come out that i'm really hoping it starts to reach other countries as well so mm-hmm. fingers crossed but no the leprechaun i learned actually a couple of weeks ago that the legend of the leprechaun isn't even like an irish thing it's actually like an eastern european thing and oh, really? it was somehow yeah, it was somehow adopted by the Irish. Ah,
1: huh,
0: okay. I didn't know yeah. that. Weird. But yeah. you do know a lot about Irish authors though, don't you?
1: I do. A little yeah. bit, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's why we have you on the podcast to be our literary expert. So this week we are doing Irish like adaptations of Irish authors' works. So we are doing a work by, of course, Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula, and another Irish author called Sheridan Le Fanu, um, who again wrote a vampire tale before Dracula. He predates Dracula. Um, So the very first film we're going to be talking about, I'm going to pass over to you so you can introduce it and let us know what it's all about.
1: Again, before I start, is Lepinu, is he very famous in Ireland? Like, very celebrated
0: funny... as a monster? No, that's the funny what? thing. He's not, which okay. always really surprises me. It surprises me I guess because I, I it's in the shadow of Bram Stoker, really, isn't it? You know? Yes. Yeah. But
1: as <laughs> you mentioned, Carmilla, that's the story we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, was first. Yep. And Le Fanu owned, what was it, the Dublin Daily Mail where Bram Stoker worked as a critic. Yeah. And supposedly Carmilla did influence yeah. Stoker a bit. I mean, other people, M.R. Um, James was a huge fan
0: because mm-hmm. Le Fanu was
1: very famous for his ghost stories. Yeah. Um, Anne Rice said Carmilla heavily influenced the Vampire Chronicles.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that.
1: the Carmilla character. Throughout vampire stories, mm-hmm. a lot of the Hammer films deal with, yeah. like, Dracula's Bride, Dracula's Daughter. And those are based mm-hmm. on Carmilla. Um, Castlevania has a Carmilla character, you know, in, in both the game and the show. Like, if Carmilla is a very, very famous vampire character, a lesbian mm-hmm. vampire character. She's sort of, like, the yes. mythology of that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they made a film. That was released in 2019 to a film festival, but actually for audiences in 2020, called Carmilla. Mm-hmm. And it is a British romantic horror film, loosely based <laughs> on the novel. <laughs> it stars Jessica Rain as Miss Fontaine, the governess. Hannah Rue as Laura. And Devrin Linara is Carmilla, directed by Emily Harris. This is her directorial debut. She's done lots mm-hmm. of things before, but not directing. She also wrote the screenplay. So I... Carmilla, the novel, is super campy and great, and it's really held in high esteem mm-hmm. by Gothic scholars. It's just a—it's almost a novella. It's short, yeah, um, and it's fast-paced, and it is crazy. It's just—it's about this. There's this carriage that like breaks down, and this mom comes out, and there's this strange family she's never met before. And she's like, "Oh, can you take my daughter? And I'm going to leave now for a couple months." And <laughs> You <laughs> right. so already to buy into this, but wait a minute, okay. And then there's like a masquerade ball. Like it's just it's wild. And none of that was in the film. Yeah. The film was really it, to me almost wasn't even a horror film. The vampirism takes a complete backseat. We don't mm-hmm. see a lot of like teeth or blood sucking, except for the girls will suck each other's finger, you know, they sort of prick each other and they and that's really done in, in more erotic way Mm -hmm. and the film really focuses on their mutual attraction for each other and Mm -hmm. curiosity for each other and the main girl laura is very isolated and repressed her mother's dead the only woman that she could maybe have any affection from is this horrible governess well there's also a maid there who seems kind (laughs) of nice but the governess is very strict so then finally when carmilla appears this beautiful young woman who's so mysterious and exciting and exotic, you know, Laura really falls for her. Um, And and then people around them start to piece together, like maybe Carmilla's not really what we think she is. There might be something else going on. So it's a beautiful film. I'm not, it doesn't really follow the book completely. Um, What did you think of Carmilla?
0: Well, I haven't read the book. So we're kind of swapping from the Mr. James. This episode is like. I I, literary wise I should know I you know I should have really read this but I I haven't so I'm kind of coming into this ignorant but what I read about the book a lot of it was about kind of it was a gothic tale about vampires but it was also about female empowerment and how the men in the book were kind of a lot like um Dracula they were pretty useless I'm pretty shite, yes. and it was yes. all about like females coming into themselves, coming into their own power in a society where they are repressed. Um, and so, when I watched the film, I was expecting that those undertones, but it really, it didn't touch on that at all. And like, like, like you said, the vampirism took a backseat. It might as well have not been there at all. Right. <laughs> you know, it might as well just been about this like possible lesbian young woman in you know I mean, they're
1: girls they're like 15
0: they're very yeah. young yeah. in like the 19th century or whatever and like mm-hmm. this kind of relationship trio between miss fontaine who is the, the the what do you call them the um her teacher whoever you know looks after yeah, her and then whatever, yeah. the governess that's it sorry and then this you know new exciting friend that's come into her life and it's just uh, it all felt a bit fake like even like the you know talking about sexuality it just felt a bit forced and a bit weird and it didn't feel like it flowed properly and none of it really made sense a lot of the time I was just like what is going on like and then it went from like it was like sexuality, sexuality, sexuality. Oh, let's pop on a bit about the vampires at the end. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Like, oh, crap, let's go from zero to a 100. And, you know, it just felt a bit forced. Um, Did you get a similar vibe?
1: I did, and I feel like it could have been more done with that queer lens of, like, the outside seeing them as monstrous than the other when they really weren't.
0: They
1: really were just affectionate with each other yeah you know whatever they they developed feelings or even just there wasn't enough of a film for them really to develop feelings but mm-hmm. maybe a curiosity about each other yeah and exactly to explore each other and then the repressive society being like this is wrong so therefore it's monstrous so therefore yeah. this one's a, a vampire creature like if yeah. they had said a little more that would have been really interesting and cool
0: yeah exactly i mean It's kind of like a well-known thing that like queer folk find kind of comfort in horror because of that outsiderness, because of being othered um, and kind of associating with monsters. And I just felt that that wasn't played on enough in this film, that if you Mm. are to call it a horror, Mm. put some horror in there and, you know, Mm. say why there is this kind of relation between queerness and horror. And it just... It just missed the mark for me. I think like, calling it a horror romance was stretching it a bit far. It was like it was trying to do, like, light twilight for, you know, the 19th century.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really understand the doctor character who was just always, like, mm. this really weird doctor who was just always there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whether he you know, represented. with the governess. Yeah. I was
1: like, well, what's this about?
0: What? all of a sudden out of nowhere this. there's this like relationship between the governess and the doctor and you're like is this meant to represent her kind of repression and her exactly. sexuality but it was just so out of place that you were like what is going on <laughs> yeah it was yeah. beautifully
1: filmed though like the scenery and everything mm-hmm. was lovely the actress playing Carmilla was beautiful she's a stunning girl you know it, there was, it was nice to look at yeah. as a film I just don't it wasn't Carmilla to me and, and I, I, you know, I have concerns about sometimes like when you try to find a film about Carmilla, the first 20 things that pop in your search are Carmilla lesbian vampire and they're always like, <laughs> really weird, like really, I don't know, not okay. It's not, yeah. not taking the novel seriously and as I said, it's a novel, it's really considered an important novel in Gothic literature. So I think yeah. that it's kind of tossed
0: aside as this sort of, like, well, the male gaze likes to watch these two women make it yeah. out. You know, like, it, okay. it really has, like, fetish, fet- fetish-sized fetish mm-hmm. Carmilla, where, as I said before, it was about female empowerment and coming over mm-hmm. repression. Whereas, like you said, female vampires are very centred on lesbianism for some reason. <laughs> like, yeah, <man. laughs> um, So, yeah, it was just... It was it was just a bit dull at places. I was like, I need, for a vampire f- story, I need more vampires. Mm hmm. Like. Well,
1: I recommend you read the novella. Again, it's not very long.
0: Mm hmm.
1: It is, it moves quickly. And it, yep. it reminds me of Have you ever read Lewis's The Monk? No. Which is another very famous. Okay, that is nuts. That that's the <laughs> most nuts book ever written. It's just crazy, it's crazy from beginning to end. And Carmilla <laughs> has moments like that where you're just like, this is just crazy. It's just real. It's just it's wild. It's yeah. fun and campy and well written, and it moves quickly. And like I said, you just have to put aside the whole idea of this woman leaving her daughter. And, you know, like where's she going? <laughs> on, where the heck is she going in the early 1800s? <laughs> I you can get yeah. past that. It's, it's really good.
0: Yeah. What did you think of the performances by the actors?
1: I thought the acting was pretty good. It didn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't anything that really bothered me about them. Um, the characters just weren't very developed. Like we didn't yeah. know why the governess was so strict. Yeah. It, you know, why, why is she always taking things out on Laura? Is she like sadistic and she's getting off on yeah. this? Is she, did something, you know, is it, that relationship with the doctor that we really don't even know anything about. Everything was just sort of like these threads just hanging everywhere. That yeah. I felt like I really didn't have a, a handle on anybody, in in except for Laura. Maybe she seemed the most defined in terms of just being repressed. She was very isolated, mm-hmm. living out in the middle of nowhere by herself with just her father. Who he leaves for months on end too. Oh, yeah, just specs
0: heck. off like
1: <laughs> and then you know she's by herself and she's not allowed to walk she's not even allowed to walk around her own house yeah don't take those books off the shelf don't i mean it's her house this is really
0: yeah it
1: so was I mean, the most defined and the most i could really kind of like understand
0: yeah i mean just going back to miss fontaine the governess she was so sadistic like she even because lara was left-handed she yeah. bound her left hand behind her back for like hours on end. And it was just really like, yeah, we just needed a bit of an explanation for it. Like,
1: yeah.
0: like we know of the time that governesses were quite strict because they had to bring up these perfect women in society, mm. but like sadistically strict. It was just, just needed more explanation really. And mm. um, would you recommend Carmilla to people looking for an adaptation of Sheridan's?
1: I'm of two minds of this. I I liked seeing a different perspective of Carmilla. Like I looked forward to watching it because I was like, oh, I wonder mm-hmm. how they're going to see this book that I've read and I'm interested in. So I lo- I was interested and curious about it from that perspective.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Did it feel like an adaptation of Carmilla to me? No. It, like you said, it felt it didn't feel like anything horror. It really did not yeah. feel like a vampire film at all. It felt like this period piece about some repressed girls who became interested in each other. So, mm. if you're looking for a vampire movie, absolutely not, hundred percent. Do not watch it. <laughs> if you're like a huge fan of Carmilla, and Carmilla has to be, you know, exactly by the book, do not
0: watch yeah. it. But if
1: you go into the understanding, like th- I'm going to see something that's really a nice little period piece, you know,
0: yeah, pretty, and pretty people yeah. to look
1: at and pretty scenery,
0: yeah. I think if you're looking for the gothic, it's not here. Like, I, I would have liked to see more gothic as well. It just just sort of missed the mark with the gothic. Um, yeah, yeah I, I probably wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but like you said, like, if someone's looking for a period piece, perhaps someone who's not, like, a massive fan of horror and likes pretty pieces, then maybe. Yeah, go for it. Um, so let's move on to our next film, which I honestly cannot wait to talk about like it I was not was expecting so much this. fun so I was not fun. expecting this so we <laughs> <laughs> we um watched uh, The Lair of the White White Worm which is a 1988 British horror film loosely again this term loosely so based lovely. on the uh, Bram Stoker novel of the same name And also drawing upon the English legend of the Lambton worm. Um, It was directed by Ken Russell, who is quite a famous British director, Um, and it stars Peter Capaldi as Angus, who is an archaeologist student. and he's excavating the site of a convent at a bed and breakfast run by these two sisters, Mary and Eve. He unearths um, a very unusual skull, which looks like a large snake. And he believes that it's connected to the local legend of the uh, Dampton Worm, which is like a big snake-like creature um, kind of from the pagan times, said to have been st- uh, slain by the ancestor of the current lord of the manor, James Dampton. Um, <laughs> So the sister's parents had disappeared um, a year earlier uh, near the house of Lady Sylvia Marsh. And it turns out that Lady Sylvia is, in fact, an immortal priestess to the ancient snake god, Dianin. Um, so they've got to kind of stop her from biting everyone and turning everyone into vampire snakes. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's so 80s. That oh, my God. I just, the I couldn't sweaters. decide.
1: That,
0: yeah, oh. I couldn't decide whether fresh. it was bad, good, or good, bad. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> "It was
1: really bad. It was so good, bad."
0: <laughs> but as someone, it. as someone who has read uh, the Bram Stoker *Lair of the White Worm*, how do you think it held up compared to <laughs> its? It's, uh, it's not *Lair of uh, the White Worm* no, at
1: all. *Lair of the White Worm* is universally trashed. as a horrible novel. People call it one of the worst gothic novels ever written. Oh Which, I mean, Bob Lord. Stoker, you know, he's like batting 50, you know? <laughs> he has yeah. Dracula, and then he's got this. It's all right. Um of the White Worm, the novel, starts out with, like, five chapters just describing this man traveling. <laughs> and I know traveling was a big deal back then. Remember how John Harker, Parker, like, he was on yeah. a carriage, and then he did This is even worse. Like, he's on a train, and he's on a carriage, then he's trying to get to the uncle's house, and he's trying to, like, five chapters of just travel. I felt like I could have like followed this map all by myself. Um and then it you there's none of this archaeological stuff cuz that was to bring mm-hmm. it to comment to, you know, the, the 80s.
0: Yeah. Um, there was no
1: Mary and Eve nice mm-hmm. Christian names. Yeah. Name. <laughs> there really wasn't that pagan Christian conflict. Okay. In the novel, there was just weird um racist stuff going on in the novel that I I believe Stoker mm-hmm. was trying to be like he was with with women in Dracula I believe he was trying to do the same thing with race and *Lair of the white worm okay having like the white people treating the African slaves really poorly and yeah. the African servants very poorly and acting like the servants don't know what's going on like they can talk right in front of them they're not going to understand us because we're all you know like it was sort of that kind of a thing but you do have the sort of sylvia marsh character Mm -hmm. um in the book and yeah people are getting bitten and they're falling sick there is sort of this vampirism going on in the book it's a slow read okay slow slow read (laughs) (laughs) I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on and it just you know like i said just description that goes on and on and on and on forever um so it doesn't yeah. have many of the things going on in the film but the film is just such campy fun like i mean i know you and i if we were to go in an archaeological dig we would bring our bagpipes and our kilt along with us cause, you know, right that's what so you so it we have this a thing weird right? strap on that's going to punch yeah. like puncture like, somebody with a strap on above a giant snake you
0: know yeah i just i just love the fact that so lady sylvia is meant to be you know like this snake vampire and she sleeps in a wicker casket that you'd see in you know the funny stereotypical cartoons of like people playing a, a, a pipe yeah. while a snake gets charmed so she sleeps in this wicker basket and whenever she hears music she like shimmies she does she does like the Aaliyah dance you know the Aaliyah from queen of the Down. she does that kind of dance well tries to not as well as Aaliyah, um yeah. and like <laughs> walks out the door during this strange dance um and then but the costumes uh, were unbelievable you have to admit so the first her time we see her were... the first time we see her she turns up in this like dick turpin like highwayman adam ant style like with the 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 triangle hat and everything and it's just like what are you wearing (laughs) i was like oh my god and it's gray it's like very it's just it was so 80s and it it reminded me a little bit of katrina from vamp just that kind of like high style kind of um thing going on um But, yeah, it was just the whole way through. It was like, I mean, like you said, let's pick up on the whole pagan versus Christianity thing. So, of course, we've got this pagan god who is fighting against the Christians who caused a Roman emperor to, like, attack a convent and rape all the nuns. And it's like, it's so psychedelic. Uh, It's so (laughs) 80s psychedelic. Um, Yeah, I mean... What do you think was the point in adding this pagan versus Christianity angle? I, really,
1: I think it was, I, you know, I think it was just to go nuts with it. I really do. <laughs> I, I mean, and Amanda Donahue, she just went off like she, she was unbridled. She just went off. She was great. And I think the script was for sort of the. Same. I think it was like let's just push this as far as we can. Let's have yeah. some really offensive images of the crucified Christ. <laughs> Yeah. Let's you know and let's have these virgins. Let's have a virgin tied up above this, like I said, a giant worm. And then this woman comes yeah. out with this dildo on. It's like a <laughs> <strep on>, nightmare. <laughs> like I just, I think it was really just to shock. I think yeah. it was a shock piece, and it, it was wonderful. I mean, I loved it. I loved yeah. it.
0: I mean, obviously, it was directed by Ken Russell, who did the. Uh, 1971 film The Devils which is also um, about uh, a Roman Catholic priest who is accused of witchcraft and possession and it also focuses on like sexually repressed nuns. Um, Mm -hmm. So he seems to have a theme going on. He's like because The Devils got so badly censored maybe he was like, you know what? I'm going to add this in. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I didn't feel like we were supposed to walk away with any moral lesson from this. Yeah. Oh, paganism's bad or paganism's good. I mean, I didn't feel like I was supposed to think anything (laughs) about it. (laughs) It's just just there.
0: Yeah. We see this thing with horror films, though, snakes. They're always representative of evil. Which is kind of strange. Like, I always find it really weird that it's, you know, representative of evil. I guess because I find like the story of obviously Adam and Eve and all that is quite repressive to Eve and obviously women. So I always find it really strange when they have like snakes in horror films um, that are meant to signify evil. It's something that I've been really picking up on recently in horror Mm -hmm. films. Um, And of course, being the Irish month saint patrick got rid of all the snakes i.e the pagans from ireland um why do you think snakes are always like (laughs) evil in horror films
1: well first of all i liked the idea that in lair the white worm the snake from the garden of eden was pissed off because he was in eden which was awesome and it got ruined and i'm like yeah i mean that's (laughs) true we don't ever think about the poor snake but i think snake i mean human beings have a fear of snakes that i believe is an evolutionary fear when we were out Mm. roaming around the deserts and roaming around you know different terrains looking for food if you were bitten by a snake a poisonous snake you would die and we Mm. didn't know how to handle that so we were afraid of them i think it's just something that i mean not for me we've had we have pet snakes in my house i love snakes i love snakes (laughs) but um i think it's one of the because you I mean, we know so many people that they're like, oh, I can't even look at that. It's a snake. They yeah. can't even look at one. I think it's just become this evolutionary fear with us because our ancient, ancient, ancient ancestors had to be very wary of snakes when they were out gathering fruits and food and things yeah. for themselves. And, I, you know, I don't think in a Judeo-Christian society that the Adam and Eve story helped any. The mm-hmm. snake was the downfall, and you know, even though yeah. if God knew everything, He knew the snake was going to do that. He set Eve up for that, so yeah, you know? yeah. But <laughs> I, think, I think the double whammy. I think it's evolution and that whole social mm-hmm. culture religious idea too.
0: Yeah, but we're here to say snakes aren't that bad. I love snakes. I absolutely Honestly. adore snakes. Um, I would have a pet snake, but my husband doesn't like them, so I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you
1: know, is he afraid of them?
0: Yeah, he gets a little bit freaked out by them. Yeah. A out
1: by them. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a phallic thing, too. That's
0: what Freud would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and
1: that's so what let's Russell talk- probably say based on some of the things we saw in the movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, so let's talk about the uh, almost creature design of the vampires because, like we said, they are snake vampires. So their fangs are kind of in the middle as opposed to traditional. Kind of canine vampires. Long. What, did you, what did you think of the snake vampires?
1: I liked it. Again, it was, it was part of the whole campy feel to it. If they had yeah. looked more like the European vampire, it wouldn't have worked. Everything was so over the top in this movie, yeah. from the way they dressed to like um, Hugh Grant's house, to his mansion. You know, and he he had a servant who was like, "Sir, it's time to wake up. Here's your coffee." <laughs> what is this? yeah I mean it was so crazy that it made sense to me that the vampire creature looked weird mm. with those weird fangs that are unusual to vampire yeah uh,
0: and the bright red eyes as well and the bright red i eyes. I really liked the vampire design because it was just different and it was it was something you hadn't really seen all that much of, and to like marry a vampire with a snake is just like. perfect i just think it's a really good kind of a like marriage um and it was very visually striking as well yeah um yeah very visual. like most of the things in this film it was very visually striking (laughs) um so what do you think of the acting in this one i was just about to ask you that oh (laughs) lord oh lord Now the only one that was kind of redeeming for me was Peter Capaldi because I I just think he's a very good actor in general. Hugh Grant, why Hugh Grant, who already has a posh accent, has to put on an even posher accent? I could I just didn't get it, like did not get it. And the two sisters were just wild, just wild.
1: The one was it was Mary she whined every single yeah. line in the film. Even when people were trying to help her find her parents, she's like, "Why are we doing?" It's like they're yeah. helping you. I mean, yeah, was so unbearable the entire yeah. way
0: through it. I had to check whether she was an actual like actor or no. I, I know like... I was
1: looking at imbd I'm like, who yeah. this?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, I did feel, and plus the person who played uh, Lady Sylvia as well, I did feel that they kind of stuck out like a sore thumb almost. Um, But then again, it was hammy, it was over a top, which was this whole film really. So, you know, I I couldn't really fault it that much. Um, So would you recommend the film to people looking for an adaptation of the book?
1: Not if you're looking for an adaptation book. I can't imagine anybody on this planet is looking for an adaptation book. It's just, like, I don't even know. When I'm reading it, I can't even picture how it'd be an interesting film. I just can't. Mm. You would have to change it remarkably to yeah. make it interesting. So mm-hmm. if you are that one fan of Lair the White Worm, the novel, the one person who enjoys it, No, don't watch the film. If you want something really campy and really fun, Mm. absolutely. Well, I mean, go in, check your brain at the door. You're not really, you know, and it is just, it is so over the top. I I, I read an interview with Amanda Donahue about it. And she said she loved it because she was just given free reign to just be bad. Like, go be bad. And just whatever that means to you. And she just, you know, she was so crazy. I just thought it was, and I, as an American, I kind of fell for the Hugh Grant poshy, extra posh, posh, posh (laughs) (laughs) accent. I was kind of like, oh, he's cute and wealthy too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like you said, check your brain out the door. You know, I think it kind of mixed a lot of folk, folk folkish horror as well, you know, um, obviously with like, folklore in it of the Dampton worm and you know we've got this rural countryside and something's going on something's a little bit uncanny it's a bit weird um and it's all obviously pagan versus christian which a lot of folk horror is um so it did have that mix in it and then with like this pure 80s sentimentality that like sometimes you just need a film like this to watch i find that a lot of horror, even though, obviously, I, I love lots of different types. A lot of horror is very serious. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it when a film isn't that serious. I think that's why I loved Malignant so much from James Wong, because mm-hmm. it wasn't that serious. So mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed Lair of the White Worm for not taking itself too seriously, um, which I think it would have been completely awful if it did take itself yeah. seriously. Yeah.
1: And um, they were talking about having a Lair of the White Worm
0: too oh no way yeah well i mean it ended sort of of course because yeah (laughs) that would have been amazing ever
1: happened with that
0: oh i think they should do one like now with peter capaldi and hugh grant like (laughs) oh that would be good yeah yeah right (laughs) um so kind of looking at these two adaptations um which one would you kind of recommend over the other?
1: Again, layer of the white worm. It's just fun. I, you know, yeah. at the end of Carmilla, I sort of felt like, what did I just watch? Like when it ended, I was like, huh, you know, what was that? What did I just watch? Yeah. It really didn't leave me with much.
0: Yeah. Whereas
1: at least layer of the white worm, as crazy as it is, it's crazy. So yeah. <laughs> I walk away from it going, oh my God, yeah. the music, the clothes, the hair, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah. there's a lot going on. There's a lot to really sink your teeth into. So definitely I would watch Layer of the White Worm. Even, and as you said, if you're not a horror fan, it's okay. It's not. Yeah. It's funny. It's silly. It's a silly yeah. time. It's not going to scare you. You're not going to, you know, you can go to sleep afterwards. You're not going to be checking your closet for monsters or anything.
0: So,
1: <laughs> like silly things. You might really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Um, and one last question, why do you think that perhaps lesser-known gothic fiction works aren't picked up as much for adaptations or adaptations that are true to the works? because we see a lot of Dracula we see a lot of Frankenstein
1: right, but those were originally made early on mm-hmm. those were early films in the film industry, mm-hmm. and then we keep adapting them over and over again yeah. I don't think you' I don't think you're gonna see a lot of Hollywood people
0: mm-hmm. bothering
1: to go back and reread like the monk yeah or Carmilla mm-hmm. um I mean, at least I can talk about Americans. We're basically illiterate. We don't read. <laughs> we, you know, we just don't. And especially not something that, like, *Lair of the White Worm* is a challenging read. Mm-hmm. Even Dracula is a challenging yeah. read. It's not easy to read. Um, so, I, And I think people want an easy. Yeah. And so what we find with the adaptations of Dracula and Frankenstein is they're adaptations of the film, not the novel. Like. hmm they're kind of going oh let's look at the Bela Lugosi and then change that they they keep working through that same script not Mm -hmm. so much the novels yeah what do you think?
0: I don't know I'd kind of agree with you a little bit I mean obviously Carmilla has been overshadowed everyone knows who Dracula is because of the Bela Lugosi because of the Nosferatu adaptations and nobody really knows about Carmilla. Nobody knows, even Irish people. Even you know, unless you're an expert on Gothic literature from Ireland, you're not going to know who Carmilla is. Um, and I think that's such a shame. And I think it's because of it's because of Dracula. That damn Dracula. <laughs> it's Do you just think overshadowed everything.
1: Because it's a female monster, or because of the lesbian overtones, maybe that it was just sort of pushed aside.
0: Yes, I do. And I think because it's not, as I said before, female vampires have been very fetishized by having this lesbian through a male gaze uh, standpoint. But I think whereas now, if the right filmmaker came along and looked at Carmilla, looked at the the novel, they could really adapt it for a really, really good... Because of what we know now, because of, you know, the... We're less ignorant, hopefully, as filmmakers. That someone, I think someone could do a really good adaptation of it. Um, oh, yeah. Whether that be someone like Lily Anna who did a, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah. Someone like that who just knows how to tell these stories without making them flashy. And I think that's what Carmilla needs.
1: But there is that flashy scene and then there's this whole masquerade ball. It's just amazing Mm. where they're trying to get people to take off their masks and show who they really are. And I can really picture that. It almost makes me feel like, you know how in Penny Dreadful, they had all those ball scenes, all those ball scenes. So I'm almost picturing that, like the gowns and the masks. that. That could really be a stunning Seen in a film, yeah. and it could be really well done because it's it's a big moment in the book too. With, I mean, they're not only unmasking people; they're unmasking yeah. the mystery of Carmilla. Where did mm-hmm. she come from? And what we find out is that Carmilla actually her name she's like Malorca. <laughs> wait, I think I even wrote yeah. She's got like three different names, and they're all the same name. But it's an anagram of Carmilla, so it's really bizarre. And it's just she and her mother keep going through time and just, um, let me see, I have it written down somewhere. Her names are, yeah, her names are M- Mirkala, Carmilla, Milarka. They're all anagrams. <laughs> and every, you know, every, so every hundred years, yeah. she changes her name to an anagram, a different anagram of it. And, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's interesting. She's a young girl. Who's a vampire who's never gonna age, she's fifteen. You know, there's a lot that could be done with that. You're right. There's so much that can be done with
0: that. And would you like to see it as like a true adaptation as in to keep it in that time period? Because the way I was thinking about it, it would be interesting to bring it into modern day Mm. sensibilities.
1: Well, if it if um the director you had named Anna was gonna do Mm. it definitely contemporary. That's her you know Yeah. Girl walks home is so cool, it's so cool, yeah. (laughs) She would make it cool and contemporary. Um, I could go either way, I could watch one that's a period piece if it's well done, if and if it's not just like, oh, look at these nice costumes, we spent all our money on costumes.
0: Um, so thank you so much for coming on and chatting about oh, these two you. works with me and I think I will probably try and read Carmilla. I'm not a very good reader. I'm very a very slow reader.
1: It's <laughs> not long and it moves pretty quickly so I do recommend it.
0: Okay thank you so much. So that was my chat there with Elaine Pascal about Irish gothic literature and we talked about Bram Stoker's Lair of the White Worm and its adaptation from Ken Russell in 1988 and also Sheridan Le Fanu's Carmilla and the 2019 movie adaptation directed by Emily Harris. Uh, so what did you think of this week's episode? Are you a fan of the works? Um, have you ever seen these movies? Especially Lair of the White Worm. It's quite... I, I would recommend everyone to watch it because it's just so ridiculous. It's enjoyable. Um so the rest of this month we've got some great episodes coming up. We have um, as is tradition with Ruby Noir, we are doing uh an extra ridiculous um episode, I guess. Um we will be covering or attempting to cover the uh, Leprechaun series of films. We thought, you know, us being Irish, we were probably the only kind of podcast that could cover this in all seriousness for irish month so we will be covering that i will also be talking to some irish filmmakers as well this month um so keep an ear out for those as always you can find me on instagram and facebook at what a scream podcast and also on twitter at what underscore scream where you can also keep up with my writings with Ghoul's magazine And um, moving pictures film club, and I have a few more articles coming out on different platforms as well that I'm really excited about. Um, So you can keep up to date there. Um, And don't forget, whatever podcasting platform, whatever podcasting platform you are listening to us on, don't forget to rate and review as well. That really helps. Thank you so much. Uh, And as always, stay horrific. Goodbye. Be scared of Frankenstein's monster. You should be scared of me.